the hope today is to grant you guys something that you can walk away with that changes you a little bit, that makes you see God a little different, that uh, makes you see yourself a little different, and adds to your Jesus knowledge. Like, that's the whole point of this. Um, I really feel like we have missed sometimes the purpose of coming together, and we sometimes need too much entertainment, and we need too much jumping and skipping and all that kind of stuff, and we meet, miss sometimes the meat of the matter. And the purpose of us coming together really is to gain knowledge of God. Um, I hope you feel good as you gain the knowledge. You know, I hope I touch your spirit or something, and, you know, you feel something. But my main purpose is not to engage your emotions so much, but to make you have knowledge of God, because without knowledge of God, we really have nothing else. And then our relationship with God is built on fallacies, and the foundation is shaky, and we don't really know what we're doing with him, and we don't know what he's doing with us if we don't really know him and his plan. So since he's been so kind to be so clear in his plan, we might as well jump into it and see what it is about instead of all the other good stuff. So today, I had this little inkling of a thought that came like July or something, right? And I, you know, try to write down everything that comes to my mind. But it came back to me, so I was like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be talking about. So this is what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about David and Goliath, right? Story we've all heard on countless times, right? I'm sure I read it at some point in time, some Sunday school class when I was seven or eight. I'm sure I did the story, right? But I don't really remember ever reading the whole story, because I'm bad like that. So on this new side of me trying to find Jesus better, I decided to read the whole story and see really what God would speak to me about it um, and see if it's something different than what I had obtained or thought the story was about, okay? Um, but like nine or 10 years ago, like this is a trip because this all came back together and I'd have this part before I even finished. But like nine or 10 years ago, I was in a service and I remember God like clearly telling me, you have to kill your Goliath, right? So I'm sitting here like traumatized because I'm like, wow, that's a really heavy thing to say to a person. And I felt like that was a little excessive. So I said, you know, like, no, because that's crazy. And um, <laughs> I then you imagine, because you always think of Goliath as like your enemy and the situation you're in or who's coming at you and that kind of thing, right? So I had a couple of people like floating in my brain and I'm like, dang, you want me to take them out? Like I knew not literally take them out, but you want me to do something to where they no longer have presence, power, something in my life. And I thought that was like, wow. So, you know, the way me and the good Lord have figured each other out is through a lot of conversation. So like when he first said it, I'm like, no, I know I'm not supposed to say no to you, but I really cannot agree at this moment to do what you're asking me to do. And I was like bawling, crying, like literally like he told me to shout my mom or something like that. Like it was like traumatic, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, um, what are we going to do with this? And like the whole night I'm back and forth, back and forth and talking. And I'm like, I'm trying to get what you're saying to me. Okay, um, okay, if I'm going to do this, then somehow you're going to have to provide the weapon 
You're going to have to show me how to do it. It's going to have to be on you because I don't really know really what you're saying to me. And after much prodding or whatever, I did say yes. Not knowing what I was saying yes to, but I did say yes. I would take out the Goliath. Um, and I've often wondered when he would provide me with the stuff. Because I still see who the Goliaths I thought were still roaming around. And I'm thinking, you know, we said this a long time ago. And I know, you know, the whole day, a thousand year, that whole good thing that we say is, uh, <laughs> as to why it hasn't happened right now. But I was like, wow, it's been some time. And I just, in all of this journey thing, he's always told me to just be still. Like, shut up and let me do my thing, right? So I'm like, okay. Well, I put that to the back of my head, like, whenever you provide it, I, I'm more than willing Give me a slingshot. I'll take a couple of people out, you know. Um, if need be, that's what we got to do together. I'll do that for you. So, um, you know, just in the back of my head, it's been there. So when this story first came to mind again, I had these thoughts, and this is what I'm thinking, right? So when he gave it to me, because then I start pondering, and like we do, make up our own little stuff as to what could it possibly be. So this is the stuff I came up with at first. So it's like... If we can use this story to apply it to our lives today, what is the application? What are we supposed to draw from him telling us this? Why did he choose the five stones? Is there uh, something significant about the stones themselves? Is there something significant about him using a slingshot, right? Um, is the, the fact that only one stone were representative of Jesus? being that, that he's all we need in that oneness body thing. Then it was like um, the whole pull back and sling forward thing with the slingshot. Is there something happening where he pulls us back and then he's going to propel us forward to something greater? Um, is the answer to all this the key to us being able to defeat what's in our life? And is it going to then take us to our intended end that he sees for us? Are we Goliaths in our own lives? You know, um, is it our lack of belief that's stopping us from being able to execute what we need to execute? So these are just thoughts that I'm thinking. Who knows where this was going? Um, I just thought I figured you guys go on the whole process with me of how God reveals this stuff to me. So this is what we come up with. So we're going to read the story, just because I figure maybe y'all with me and y'all ain't read it that recently either. Um, <laughs> Uh, so it's a little lengthy, um, but it's worth the read. And I'm going to use the, I think I'm using the Living Bible Translation. Okay, so 1 Samuel 17 and 3. So the Philistines and the and their Israelis faced each other on the opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man measuring over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, a 200-pound coat of mail, bronze leggings, and carried a bronze javelin several inches thick, tipped with a 25-pound iron spearhead. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him with a huge steel. He stood and shouted across to the Israelis, Do you need a whole armor to, army excuse me, to settle this? I will represent the Philistines, and you choose someone to represent you, and we will settle this in a single combat. 
If your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you must be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight with me. When Saul and the Israeli army heard this, they were dismayed and frightened. So then you have verses 12 through 19, and it's talking about Jesse giving David bread to go take to his brothers. He had three brothers that were in the army. So he goes and delivers that to them. So while he's there, go to verse number 20. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and took off early the next morning with the gifts. He arrived at the outskirts of the camp just as the Israeli army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israeli and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his luggage with the baggage officer and hurried out to the ranks to find his brothers. As he was talking with them, he saw Goliath, the giant, step out from the Philistine troops and shout his challenge to the army of Israel. As soon as they saw him, the Israeli army began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the soldiers were asking? He was insulted, he, excuse me, has insulted the entire army of Israel. And have you heard about the huge reward the king has offered to anyone who kills him? And the king will give him one of his daughters for a wife, and his whole family will be exempted from paying taxes. David talked to some others standing there to verify the report. What will a man give for killing this Philistine and ending his insults to Israel? He asked them. Who is this heathen Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And he received the same reply as before. But when David's oldest brothers heard David talking like that, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about the sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know what a cocky brat you are. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. And he walked over to some others and asked him the same thing and received the same answer. When it was finally realized what David meant, someone told King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about a thing, David told him. I'll take care of this Philistine. Don't be ridiculous, Paul, Saul replied. How can a kid like you fight with a man like him? You are only a boy, and he has been in the army since he was a boy. But David persisted. When I'm taking care of my father's sheep, he said, and a lion or a bear comes and grabs a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If it turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the heathen Philistine too for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws and the teeth of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword around it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can hardly move, he exclaimed, and took them off again. Then he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his shepherd's bag and armed only with the shepherd's staff, a sling, started to Goliath. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt 
at the nice little red-cheeked boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you flesh, to, I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David shouted in reply, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and Israel, the very God whom you defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And Israel will learn that the Lord does not depend on weapons to fulfill his plans. He works without regard to human means. He will give you to us. As Goliath approached David, David ran out to meet him. And reaching into his shepherd's bag, took out a stone, hurled it from his sling, and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and the man fell on his face to the ground. So David conquered the Philistine giant with a sling and a stone. Since he had no sword, he ran over and pulled Goliath from its sheath and killed him with it, and then cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the Israelis gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewed all along the road to Sharam. Then the Israeli army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. Later, David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem, but stored his armor in his tent. Lengthy read, but now we got the whole story, okay? So, um, one thing that I have learned and picked up some from my husband is when the name of something is mentioned, it's worth researching to dig a little bit deeper to see if there's multiple meanings to words. Because of the English language, how we translate stuff, it can be, our language is very linear. But their language, the Hebrew language, Arabic language, is very dimensional. You can have one word mean many different things. So you got to be able to see did we translate it properly, or was there something that we perhaps missed just reading the English versions of the stuff? So I thought, what does Goliath's name mean? And where he is from? Why did they mention that he was from Gath? So what does Gath mean? So um, depending on where you're from, you hold certain attributes to your birthplace. Somebody from LA is quite distinctly different than somebody from Georgia. We can immediately tell that in just who they are. They have a different persona. So what occurs when we see where people are from? So gath. Gath means at the wine press. So what occurs at a wine press? The wine press is where the grapes are selected, and then those found worthy are pressed until the goodness of their contents are extracted. Contents to create the juice for the wine that will be used to feast on later at a later date. So we're thinking of now, Goliath is from a place that presses people. This is his persona. This is what he is. This is what he comes from. So at the end of the battle, we saw what was squeezed out of David, as well as the other soldiers that were in the field. The other soldiers were pushed and prodded, but chose to run in fear. When David overheard the taunting of Goliath, he stood up and said, I can take him. 
right? Now, the soldiers were far more prepared than David. So you can have people in your life that appear to be far more prepared than you, but are not supposed to take the task. Because you feel like you're not ready for it, but the task has been set up for you. So he inquisitively then researched what would be gained to see if what could be lost was worth it. He didn't just foolishly be like, okay, I'm going to take him. He was like, wait, what y'all saying we're going to get if we take this Philistine out? What's, what's my reward at the end of all this? If I'm willing to maybe give up my life, what am I going to get for it? So sometimes we don't ask enough questions. Sometimes we don't inquire enough as to what's going on. We just see stuff at face value and we're like, whatever. But he didn't even take the first word he heard. He was like, wait, come here. What did you say? And he must have said it enough to where his brother got annoyed. Because remember, he's now coming out of character. Every family has a role. So David's role in that family was just to be the shepherd boy. You'd be the one over there, mind your business. We the boys for real. We doing the stuff. You a little bit of nothing. I mean, what you do is good. But you don't come mixing with our stuff. You're not good enough really for that. So then also you can't let people put you in a pigeonhole telling you who you are based on what you were before. Because you don't know what God is preparing you to be. So you have to keep your own thoughts of yourself open to expand. Don't put labels on yourself either. Because if we label ourselves as one thing, we never think we can jump out of that label. No one had faith that David could ever be victorious over Goliath. But David knew who he was and what he had defeated beforehand. See, they didn't quite know the task of being a shepherd. They didn't know that you're fighting lions and bears and stuff. See, you're scared to fight this man because you've never had battle with anybody. We've got to be able to look back on our life and see what have we battled. You call yourself weak. You say you can't stand up to stuff. You feel afraid and frightened, but look back. What have you already defeated in your life? What have you already conquered? You got to see the trophies that you have listed up and on, on the wall. And sometimes we don't like to give ourselves pats on the back for what we've accomplished. And we just, you know, try to be supposedly humble. All, all praise goes to Jesus. He carried me through, but God used you to do it. He didn't do it just by himself. If you defeated something, you worked with God to defeat it. And you get to stand on the fact I did that. It's not saying God didn't do it with you, but I did it with him. So pay attention to how he cited his other victories against a seemingly bad odds and reigned victorious. He took lions and bears by himself. That's crazy. I mean, who could fight a lion and a bear? <laughs> That's insane. So then you kind of see why he wasn't afraid. We have blinders on our eyes. A lot of us have been through some serious stuff. We've, we've trampled over stuff. You did it. You fought through it. Give yourself credit. And then more importantly, he spoke about whose he was and what that offers him. He was very aware that God was on his side. 
He didn't doubt that. The other soldiers kind of doubted. Where's the Jesus? The God at the time. But where is he? Because we're not sure we can do this with him. And you got a whole bunch of people. Nobody could just add a little faith to each other. What happened to a little faith touch and faith? And we're going to come in together? We're going to do this? Also take note that when they agreed to let him fight, they overloaded him with equipment. The equipment that worked for them made him clumsy and unable to be agile. It was a hindrance for him, though it was a help for them. We have to be careful not to allow others to burden us with stuff that doesn't work for us. And that's why it's so important for you to develop your walk with God. You've got to know what weapons he's crafted for you. You got to know what things he's putting in your path for you to do. We rely too much on what other people are doing. And you don't have to slam. Like, I'm glad that the armor works for you. I'm glad you need that amount of protection. I'm glad you feel you need this. That's good, but I don't need it. That's going to make me fall and be clumsy. So you got to look at everything that's coming in your walk. What is for me and what was for somebody else? And that's why the walk is individual. That's why he saves you by yourself. And at the end, you're going to heaven or hell by yourself. So stop getting, putting so much credence on everybody else's way. They way may make you slip and fall. What if he was like, no, everybody, the other soldiers, they got to wear this. So I'm going to go out there with this and I'm going to try to look like them. I'm going to try to act like them. He would have been a hot mess and dead. <laughs> right? He would have been dead because he wouldn't have been able to do what he does. He was used to being very fluid. He was used to being able to know he was very connected to the earth. He was very connected to his own abilities. Then you're putting your stuff on me. Now I've lost connection with the truth of who I am. And that happens so much in our walk with God that we take on everybody else's God identity and we lose connection with who God wants me to be. You got to then throw that stuff off and say, that's not going to work for me. Because God needs to give you personal secrets for your walk and ultimately for your victory. Invest in learning what you need to fight your battles. Now, one thing that is interesting is that he really didn't put that much attention on Goliath. Goliath really wasn't even a part of his mix. He was like, oh, I know what I got to do. Give me these rocks. I got a slingshot. Let me go handle my business. He wasn't like, okay, wait, how tall is Goliath? He weighed how much? How much armor he got on? He got this. He's saying, what we do, we put all the attention on the Goliath. Man, that happened. It did this. It took me out. Woo, it took that. Wow, that's been around for a long time. It sure is big. Woo, it got a whole lot of armor around it. How am I going to penetrate that? He didn't think about none of that. He just had faith in the weapons that God gave him. And that was it. So now let's look at Goliath. Remembering God is in control of it all. He sends Goliath, 
who came from the wine press to do what? So this is what Goliath's name means. The root verb is gala, G-A-L-A. It means to uncover, remove, or to go into exile. But these meanings diverge so much that the theological workbook of the Old Testament suggests that there may be two separate roots at work in the verb. So the verb gala denotes an uncovering of the sensory organs such as the ear. 1 Samuel 9 and 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came saying. So in this verse, you're using the same root word. You don't see Goliath, but the same root word, and it means had told. So here God is uncovering and needing to tell him something. Okay? Follow me because I'm just going to take you through the whole thing. Put you in the English class real fast. Okay? So the next thing that it's uncovering is your eyes because your ears and your eyes are your sensory organs, okay? In Numbers 24 and 4, he hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. So here God needed him to see something, okay? Same root word is having his open. So both these verbs are indicating a propensity to hear or see. Now, remember, we don't ever want to fall into the chiding of God against Israel, where he told them, you hear, but you hear nothing. And you see, but you see nothing. We always want to be in the spirit and have discernment to what God is saying and revealing. So you got to know, what is God trying to show me? What do I need to visually see? And what do I need to hear from God about my situation? So then we have, it's also the revealing of someone. So it could be a human person. First Samuel 20 and 2. And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing either great or small, but he will show it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. So in here you have where God is showing him who he needs to see. The next one is even God revealing himself. So you have 2 Samuel 7 and 27. For thou, O Lord God of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to the servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore have thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. So here again, you have God is showing himself. Then also you can have God showing you a secret. Amos 3 and 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Or he can also show you a message. Esther 3 and 14. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. So I show you all this so that you can see the things that come into our lives have many meanings. You've got to dig for the deeper meanings. Don't accept just the first level that you see. There may be more there that you need to uncover. When we look at things in one dimension, we sometimes lose the lesson that it can bring. Okay? So this story has usually hinged 
on being about the obstacle that the devil places before us. It's often about killing off what is threatening you and God will provide a way to conquer it, right? Um, and that's just on the surface. We look at that, we're like, wow, David Cain knocked out the Goliath, he's dead, praise Jesus, God gonna give us a way out, right? Just in the surface short firm. Okay, but if you go on to what the name represents, Goliath was actually a gift to David. Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things happen to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plan. So Goliath is like the devil in many aspects. He looks big and demeaning. He taunts us and challenges us. We see his size and his tricks, and we scamper afraid as to how can I defeat him. But also like Satan, he is just roaming around like a roaring lion. Everyone knows that if he could have defeated the army, he would have. He was more than capable of taking the army out, probably just almost by himself. God always had Goliath on a leash. Your issue, your problem is on a leash. It can never overtake you. It could never completely defeat you because then God wouldn't be in control. Jesus was also taunted and tempted by Satan for 40 days. Goliath taunted and tempted them for 40 days. Twice every day for 40 days. Telling them that they nothing. Telling them that you would never defeat me. Why don't you come and fight me? And remember, that's what the devil wants, is you to come into his territory. He wants you to take off from where you stand in your position and go running after him. David knew who he was and had faith that he would be victorious. The question is, do you know who you are? Do you have faith to conquer anything? Or do you see yourself very limited on what you can take down? Look at how God orchestrated everything. He placed David in the battle scene just as Goliath would come and taunt the soldiers. If he had come either before the taunting or after, David would have dropped that bread off and went home. He would have continued to be a good shepherd boy. None of this would have happened. What have you heard that made you realize that you are angry, hurt, or enraged? What has gone in your life that you've heard stuff? Stuff that pushed you to your limit. Stuff that you uncovered and you heard folks saying stuff. Parents thought something about you. Your husband said crap about you. You had friends you thought you had, and they said stuff about you. That incensed David, the fact that you would challenge me. Did it push you to fight or did you scamper? Then you have the soldiers being too afraid to conquer Goliath. Who do you think should have fought for you but left you to fight alone? Just thinking about your own life. Because we get really pissed off, if I can say that, when we feel like we should have somebody on our team. When we feel like, you know that they, they did me wrong, why ain't you standing with me? Why y'all leave me? Why didn't nobody join David when he got bold enough to say, let's do this? Why was everybody willing just to just go in the fight by yourself? And y'all thought he was not qualified. But you just let me walk into the, the fray 
in the fire, unprotected, and you just stand with me? How many relationships have been broken because you feel like nobody stood with you? Because they let you fight by yourself. They didn't protect you. But the truth is, it was not theirs to conquer because it was designed just for you. Then you have the confidence that God gave David after defeating lions and bears. What thing did you end up conquering alone and it later showed you that you were brave and strong enough to handle it? Again, we're looking back. You got to take inventory. Sometimes we live too much right now and we're always looking forward, but sometimes you got to look back. Where has God brought you from? What did you defeat that you thought was going to take you out, but you're standing here today? Then you have the revealing of the rewards that David overheard that further propelled him to what God, to want to conquer, excuse me, Goliath. So what promises of God keep you on this journey to discover him more and more? What are you holding on to? Why you keep doing this thing? I hope it's not just to miss hell. I hope you have some positiveness in it as to what God really wants to give you. Because he's got a huge amount of promises and rewards. But we have such a negative mentality that we concentrate on what we're trying to miss instead of trying to get what we can gain. So then you have him being wise enough to know that the other's armors would only cause him to be defeated by Goliath, having wisdom and discernment to know that God had already provided him with all he needed in the form of some rocks and a slingshot. So what woke you up to realize that I have to find God for myself and in what way do you need to find him? What was the thing that shook you? That said, what I've been doing ain't really working. I need something a little more deep. Or I need something a little more profound. I need, I need to find Jesus so we can sit down together and have some tea and figure this thing out. And what gave you confidence to say that I must see the king? And enough, lack of a better word, arrogance to know that you will find him. Then you see David having enough faith to confront Goliath and actually charge at him with all confidence that God was right with him. He was in tune enough to hear, hit him in the head, the only place that wasn't protected. Because if he would have aimed anywhere else, he would have been dead. So you've got to get in tune enough to know and hear God's voice in every situation. How am I going to defeat this? What do I need to take them out? If you don't know God's voice, if you're not close enough to his ear, you're going to miss it. And you're going to be aiming at all of the parts of the body and you're never going to take it out. And that's why we keep having repeat fights. Thank God he keeps bringing Goliath back up. A little resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for the resurrection of Goliath. So that we can refight. We can refight the battle so we can get it right. So you see it as God not being right with you. It's really God giving you gifts because he's got somewhere he needs to take you. But you got to take out Goliath before you can get to where you need to go. So why are you fussing and fighting about why am I here? It's because of you. 
because you're not listening and you don't have faith and you don't believe and you don't know what you're doing. But he said, if you, if you want wisdom, ask, I'll give it freely. He said, I won't even be mad at you when you ask, even though I didn't told you all the stuff, but I'm not going to even be mad that you keep asking me. So why are you not asking? Why you keep talking about the problem instead of talking about the solution? Why you keep rehearsing what's wrong? He know it. He's aware. He created the Goliath for you to get where you are supposed to go. We could say that's kind of jacked up. We could. Because if you just look at it on the surface, it's a little jacked up. But what's in front of you and where he needs to take you is well worth the Goliath that's been in your life. See, that takes faith to believe that he does not have ill intentions for you. That's what that takes. That he would not just bring this to me to break me down. He would not put this in front of me to destroy me. There's something that's going to come out of this. I don't see it, and I'm holding on to it with a, with a string, but I know that that's not who God is. And that's why it's so important for us to understand the character of God. Because if you know the character of God, you know there's no way he would do that. There's no way he would break you and not build you back up. There's no way he would bring devastation to you and not have you repair from it. He does not work like that. That's against his track record. And he said he was the same. Thank you. So we believe it or not. Did he just flip the script just for you? Don't be so arrogant. You're not that important. I mean, good Lord. He's not going to change his whole demeanor just for you. Get out yourself and get into him. It helps a lot. So he then did the bold move and used the enemy's own weapon on himself to finish the job and then kept it as a trophy. Because he gave the head to them because that's like the little thing they like to do. A little sick, but hey, that's what they do. But he kept the trophy for his own self. And remember how big that doggone sword was? It probably was as much as him. The fact that he even could even pull it out and kill him with it, no, that was a little Jesus power that was working behind him. So like when Jesus took the keys from Satan and hung them on the gate for all to see, keeping the weapons in your view helps you remember that a weapon may form, but it will never prosper. Don't forget everything. I know we like to forget stuff, but don't forget everything because you need to see what's been before you so that you can remind yourself of what you had. Let God show you the weapon that the devil uses against you so you can conquer it, slit its throat, and hang it on your mantle. You got to know what's working against you. You got to know where you are the problem. We always look outside of ourselves, but look inside. Lord Jesus, please reveal to me what my problem is. Because I'm getting a little tired of me. I'm like, I'm tired of going over this. I'm tired of you having to keep resurrecting poor Goliath so that I can get a lesson. At some point in time, I've got to get it. So we need to take the weapon that has been used against us the weapon that we even have used against ourselves and defeat it, but don't hide it. Place it 
in a case so that you can always have a glance at it and say, I prevailed. How much confidence do you think just looking at that sword gave David? He already had the confidence that he killed the lions and the bear. You know he was no joke. That's probably why he turned out to be a little bit of a hot mess, because he probably got a little extra cocky. <laughs> like, I am the man. I mean, you know he never forgot that. Like, really, y'all? Don't play with me. See? But the Lord kept working with him. <sighs> so we don't have enough confidence in the powers that God has given us. We don't have enough confidence in the power that God has, period. Because we kind of have made the Jesus a little small. We don't see him as grand and amazing and powerful that he is. I think we forget that he holds everything in his hand. The whole world is operating on him. He's got the, the, the oceans moving. He got the rain falling. He got the trees blowing. He's doing it all. Can he not handle you? But when we make Jesus small, then he fits right into our, our church walls. Then the Jesus are really, he can't do much. Because if he was that small, he would not be able to take care of all of us. He would just have a select few. And that's why we give more credence to a select few. Because we like, well, they got to Jesus. It wasn't enough for me to get them. So let me hang on to your coattail so maybe a little bit of Jesus will rub off on me. It's a dangerous way of being. And it's a dangerous way of thinking. Because you limit who God is. If you don't have confidence that he rules it all and rules it well, then you don't really want to go to him. You'll stick to your own script. Because, you know, we do think we're pretty smart. We tinker around like we are not complete. We tinker around, head down, knees shaking, palms sweaty, always wondering, can he do it? Is he going to take care of me? Is he going to work it out? It's always that question mark. It's never with confidence, God will. We've got to change that in our minds. And I don't know why we have that, but we're a little afraid. And we're not confident. You feel alone and forsaken. You're asking, will he deliver you? Am I whole? What do I do? He's got the keys of Satan. He has rule over Satan. Satan is not doing just willy-nilly. He must go to God for permission still. Look at Job. He went and asked, can I do this? He had to go back to him. Can I do this? The devil is very aware of who God is. You just aren't. He's very aware of the power that's behind him. It is why at his name he trembles. I mean, how many names get called out to you that you're like, oh, my God, you're shaking. I can't think of one. But Satan, who looks like he's got a lot going on. I mean, he's, he's messing over a lot of people, right? You would think that he would be far more confident in his abilities. But he knows that at any moment that you exercise faith, 
He knows that any moment that you call truly on the name of Jesus, he's got no power. He's got nothing over you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But you don't know that yet. Because we still a little scared of the devil. Of what can he do to me? Nothing. That you can't conquer. And if God does allow him to try you, it's because God has faith in you. God's got more faith in us than we have in God sometimes. He's like, oh, yeah, go on and bother him. They ain't going to leave me. And the whole time you're thinking, I'm about to leave God. <laughs> oh, he didn't got that wrong. He didn't chose the wrong one. You should have gave that to the sister across the street. Because I'm not that saved is what we're thinking. But God is saying, I got faith in you. That's insane. That he can look at us humans who are fouled up, that are so weak at times, that can, I mean, be so disappointing. You know what I mean? Like he has to look sometimes and just, really, guys? Right. Goodness. SMH, goodness. When will you get it? I'm here. You got me for forever. All the power that's in me is in you. What created the universe is sitting in you. When will you ignite it? When will you set it ablaze? Stop being scared. Man up. Because he said we're already glorified. He said we were fully complete in Christ. Nothing's lacking. You don't have a hole. Because you have fullness of Christ. No holes. That's how he sees you. He already sees you in heaven. And y'all scared if you go into hell still. Oh, Lord, if I do that, I may, I may miss it. Oh, goodness. Well, then, but he don't have the right vision? He didn't know what he was singing when he did the whole thing. He don't know all things. Just wondering. And he said we have his mind. We have the mind of Christ. Why do we act like we so stupid? We have the mind of Christ. Right here already within us. We ain't got to go like to go fetch it. We don't have to go do a cram study for it. We already have the mind of Christ. Today, if you got the spirit, do you know you have it? Are you aware that you were full of Jesus? Maybe that's where we got to start over again. Do you have the spirit? Are you truly saved? Did he wash away your sins? Because if you're shaky on that, then the rest of it, we, we're not too good on. Nothing wrong with having a little check to make sure you know you got it. He also said that no weapon formed will prosper. Why do we see things as prospering? Why do we say it has defeated me? Why do we say that thing took me out? He said it will not prosper. That's crazy. And we should just confess, I don't believe you. He said that he cleared the path and made the crooked path straight. 
He said, I know the plans I have for you. They're good and not evil. He said, I will turn it all for your good. He said, you have peace. Why are we so anxious? Why are we so nervous? You have peace. Perfect peace. That's beyond even your understanding. You already have it. He said you have rest. And then he said, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it freely. And he said, and he said, and he said, but we don't believe it. Because the moment we step out of any of these things that he promised us, we say we don't believe you. It is not the truth. And you are a lie. And then we have to ask ourselves, why are we serving a God that we think is a liar? That's stupid. I mean, why are we staying so loyal, making sure we got all this stuff together, checking everything we do when he's not even telling the truth? Because at any minute, he could just drop us. What's it all for? What's the point of this without faith? What's the point of this without changing your mind and your heart about who God is? Because that's what this is about who God is. And maybe you haven't gained your hearing and your sight. Maybe you haven't had revelations of God and people. Maybe you haven't found the answers to your secret messages because you do not have faith in God. Without faith in God, you don't have faith in yourself to go to task with Goliath. Goliath has to be defeated so you can gain your proper place. What needs to be uncovered and removed from you? What do you need to send into exile? The answer will reveal to you who your Goliath is. That's what God wants you to slay. He's not killing them for you. You're going to have to kill them yourself. And once you slay it, you get to keep the trophy to remind you that there is nothing you can't defeat. Because if you took down a 10-foot monster, surely you can tackle anything else. And Goliath is not another person or an event. Goliath lives in you. Will you have the courage to defeat yourself? Can you pick up the smooth stone and hit it right in the head? Will you then go to it straddle it and cut its throat, severing its head from the body. Do you want to defeat it? Or are you like the soldiers that choose to run and hide? Being taunted and called out by your Goliath every day, twice a day. Think about how Goliath called them out. It's the same thing our stuff does to us. I dare you to come see it. I dare you to come touch it. I dare you to come after me. And if you defeat me, it gets to be your servant. But if you don't, you get to be its slave. And we are a slave to our stuff. It drags us around. It takes us where it wants to take us. It makes us feel the way it wants to make us feel. We have no seemingly control over it because it is our master. And you can't serve two. You're serving one or the other. And we're trying to serve supposedly the Jesus, but all the while we're really just serving the Goliath. 
your master must become Christ in everything that that looks like. Aren't you ready to be a ruler instead of a slave? Aren't you ready to stand up and not scamper away? Aren't you tired of the same song and dance? Don't you want that moment you decided that God already has the stones and sling available and will give you the wisdom on just how to defeat it? I truly get it's scary to fight them battles. It's scary to come up against the thing that you've been, you know, that has a, a, a chain around your neck and been dragging you around. It's scary to fight it. But what's the alternative? Because what's been working ain't really working. You're not better for it. Why not try God all the way? Because we've been, you know, doing a, a little double dutch with the Jesus. We jump in and we jumping back out. Sometimes we do a little skip in the middle and do a little twirl, but we get right back out. It's not working. And then we get devastated and we get sad that we feel like Jesus is not our friend. But the truth is, you're not a friend to yourself. But do like David did. Defeat the lions. You defeated the bears. God surely can make a way. Because he doesn't want us to live like this. He really wants us to be living that free life. That good life that he talked about. Being in peace with him. Living in joy and strength. That's what he wants for us. Why we keep this mess that we keep perpetuating, I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet. I will let you know when I figure it out, though. Plus, you get all the goodness. I mean, look, look, maybe you need to go investigate what the promises really are. Maybe you need to go back and look and say, what is he saying he's going to give me to see if it's worth it? Because maybe you just don't know. And ignorance is not bliss. Remove what is hindering you from knowing the power of God and believing it. Remove any ill-fitting thing. Remember, he said he would not put anything on us that didn't fit well. If it's not fitting, take it off. If it's blocking you from getting to Jesus, remove it. If you need to go to Jesus with nothing on, go with nothing on so that you can let him put the right outfit on you so that you can get to know him for who he is. Stop trying to do your relationship the way other people have done theirs. Just do what God gives you. Pick up what you need to defeat Goliath with the trust that God will lead you, grant you wisdom, where the weak spots are, and then pull back the sling and let the stone fly. You think you're taking a stone, but the moment you have confidence that you can do this and that God is doing it with you, Everything changes. Because picture yourself finally having the courage to pull that sling out of your bag and throw that stone. At that same moment, God picks you up and has you in his sling, and he's throwing you where he needs to throw you. He has somewhere to take you. This is not it. He has greatness for us. There's things we got to do for him. We got to go change. We're supposed to be flipping the world upside down. And we're sitting here being. David became great only because he defeated Goliath. Had he stayed a shepherd doing what he was doing, he probably would have had a fine life. 
He could have had a regular old shepherdish life, whatever that looked like. You could have the same. You could keep right here. Right here. You could just keep doing what you're doing, living your life, being sad, depressed, scared and afraid and all that good, horrible stuff that we can constantly live in and we all do it this together. So you got a whole army that's living like you. You got a whole army that sits there in the barricades and everyone, you see how they, now they knew good and well they weren't going to fight Goliath. But every day they came out with a war cry. <laughs> Woohoo, we're going to get them. You know you weren't going to go try to tackle that thing. Now what y'all getting all suited and booted for? Putting on all that armor, singing and chanting, screaming we're going to get them, knowing you weren't going to do it. Is that not what we do? We get suited and booted, go down there screaming and yelling, chanting and woo-woo-woo. We ain't fighting no Goliaths. And we see the Goliath, we like, I got you. We ain't going to touch you, but I see you. We should really stop. So bring this back full circle, right, for my own journey. I can look back now at the specific times when God was asking me for the different things that he needed to reveal me. Now, I had no idea that this was the process. I had no idea that eventually now I see the Goliaths that I tackle were within me. It had nothing to do with nobody else. It was just about me. Me having to hand him and surrender my life to him. I mean, I, can, I know of specific times where he literally asked me for my vision. You can no longer look at things the way you want to look at them. You have to trust me that I will give you the right outlook. He asked me for my hearing. I, you can't hear what you used to hear. I've got to give you new ears to hear my voice. He asked me to surrender my thoughts, which was the hardest thing, and I told him no a few times on that one too. Because, see, my thoughts were my safety. That's where I figured everything out. That's how I made sense of everything. You're asking me to give up the way that I think? You're asking me to step into a zone of not knowing and trusting that you are going to guide me and lead me and show me? Are you insane? Eventually, I had to give it up. And then lastly, he asked for me to give him my body. Trust me to do what, give me permission to do whatever I want to do with you. You have got to be crazy. You just killed my mother. I shouldn't say killed, but that's the bad way. But y'all know how I feel. Uh, you just took her out. I done seen a gang of people sick. I done seen a gang of people go through. And you asking me to trust that you won't bring that on me? Serious? <sighs> really, Lord? We really having this conversation? I had to surrender it. I trust you. And whatever you bring on me, somehow we're going to make it through together. But it was a process. It was a journey. It was him literally giving me a slingshot constantly to take me out, putting me back together organ by organ, piece by piece. But that's a surrender you have to do. It's a huge amount of trust that's involved in saying, I will lay down my life for you and let you pick it back up. Not in the way that I can design, in the way that you want to design me to be. 
That's a whole lot of asking. But look who's asking. The God who died for me is asking to use my life for his glory. What an honor that is. That we are chosen. That he sees us as that valuable. That I will take your raggedy life and I will create something glorious out of it. And you get to stand for me? I surely can give up some stuff for that. But then you got to see it as amazing. You got to see God as the be all end all. You got to see him as huge. Because if you don't see him like that, it's not worth it. It's better scooting through the way we're getting through. Took almost 10 years for me to get the clarity. 10 years to see that this is what he was doing with me. Stop looking outside of yourself. It's all in here. And stop expecting or needing God to give you every detail before you move. That is not faith. Abraham, he said, go. He didn't even know where he was going. East, west, north, south, could you give me a loose direction, Jesus? Just a way to point the thing. Can you, can you show me? Go. When will you go? Oh, y'all got the Jesus in you. you I know he talking. He not a silent kind of Jesus. He likes to have conversations. He going to keep pushing you. He not going to let you go. Because he said, I will get you to the intended end. Now, we can kick and fight. We can do tug of war all day. But at some point in time, you're going to surrender. And you're going to get there. Willingly or unwillingly, but you're not about to mess up his plan. Because he's got to get you to heaven. And you got to look a certain way to get to heaven. So whatever he's got to do, he's going to do it. Just give him permission. It's much easier than fighting with folks. And be honest. Because remember, faith is the only way we can please God. So if you don't have faith, you need to confess the fact that you don't have faith. You've got to confess the fact that I don't believe you, God, that I don't see you as big. I think your promises stink. You've got to confess the truth to God so that he can repair it and get you where you're supposed to be. Quit lying. All this other stuff is not working. Our lives are not better for it. So let's just say it out loud. Let's just put it out there. Then you can get where you're supposed to go. Other than that, it's a waste of time. Y'all might just go on down the street. And I'm finished.